Well, recently, I was reading a book to my kids. It happens. It was an old book, one that I remember my mom reading me when I was a child, but as I read the book aloud to my kids, I gained a new perspective that I hadn't had before. I have my copy of of my book this morning. It's old, it's beat up, it's worn out, the pages are discolored and bent from use, but it's, it's still a good book. Copyright 1957, which I hear is a good year, if you can believe it. It's about two kids who are home on a rainy day and an unexpected visitor who transformed their day. Let me read a little bit of the book to set the stage. I know my words tend to rhyme today. Cat in the hat. The sun did not shine, it was too wet to play, so we sat in the house all that cold, cold, wet day. I sat there with Sally, we sat there we two, and I said how I wish we had something to do. Too wet to go out and too cold to play ball, so we sat in the house and did nothing at all. So all we could do was just sit, 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 and we did not like it, not one little bit. Some parents in here have read this before. And then something went bump, and that bump made us jump. We looked, then we saw him step in on the mat. We looked and we saw him, the cat in the hat, and he said to us, why do you sit there like that? I know it is wet and the sun is not sunny, but we can have fun, lots of good fun that is funny. I know some good games we could play, said the cat. I know some new tricks, said the cat in the hat. A lot of good tricks, I will show them to you. Your mother will not mind at all if I do. Then Sally and I did not know what to say. Our mother was out of the house for the day. But our fish said, no, no, make the cat go away. Tell the cat in the hat you do not want to play. He should not be here. He should not be about. He should not be here when your mother is out. Now, now, have no fear, have no fear, said the cat. My tricks are not bad, said the cat in the hat. Why, we can have fun, lots of good fun, if you wish, with a game that I call up, up, up with a fish. Put me down, said the fish. This is no fun at all. Put me down, said the fish. I do not wish to fall. Have no fear, said the cat. I will not let you fall. I will hold you up high as I stand on a ball with a book in one hand and a cup in my hat. But that is not all I can do, said the cat. Look at me, look at me now, said the cat, with a cup and a cake on the top of my hat. I can hold up two books, I can hold up the fish and a little toy ship and some milk on a dish. And look, I can hop up and down on a ball, but that is not all. Oh no, that is not all. Look at me, look at me, look at me now. It is fun to have fun, but you have to know how. I can hold up the cup and the milk and a cake. I can hold these, up these books and the fish on a rake. I can hold the toy ship and a little toy man. And look with my tail, I can hold a red fan. I can fan with the fan as I hop on the ball, but that is not all. Oh no, that is not all. That is what the cat said. Then he fell on his head. He came down with a bump from up there on the ball, and Sally and I... We saw all the things fall. I was reading this book to my daughter the other day. How many of you here today see yourself in this story and see yourself as the cat in the hat? Like circus performers spinning plates on sticks, you pile up everything in your life and try to to keep it all in balance while bouncing on the ball. But the more you add to the load, you realize that adding one more thing might cause the whole lot to come crashing down. And while the cat in the hat was was playing a game, 
Our lives are no joke. And when everything comes crashing down around us, it's no laughing matter. And it definitely is not a children's story and it's not a fairy tale. This past year has been challenging for me and my family and all the transitions that have ensued in our lives. And I know that many of you here today have, have shared and expressed some, some major life events and, and complications and challenges that you have been facing in your lives. But as I read this book to my daughter, I, I, I realized that over these last few months, I felt as though I've been living a balancing act. There's so much to do. So much to accomplish, so many things to keep in balance. And for me, it's, it's balancing my work life and my family life and my spiritual life. Boy Scouts, soccer, school events, church events, daycare schedules, social calls, family engagements, weddings and funerals, and the list goes on and on and on, and the calendar gets filled up beyond capacity. You know that moment, if you have a family calendar like, like we do, you still write it down with a little box that's so full you can't fit one more thing in it. Those kind of days. There's always one more thing to do. Have you ever felt that way? Or is it just me? Because it could just be me. Do more, more, and more. That is what the world tends to demand of us. Success in life is often measured by the pace at which we live. And if you're idle, then you're not productive. Which is a fascinating notion, seeing that we live in the most technologically advanced time in history. We've all heard the, the statistics, Pastor Rod and I have both shared it before, but I'll remind you that in the 1950s, people expected the work week to decrease as technology increased. They predicted that the work week would, would go to decrease to a 32-hour-a-week work week, and some even made predictions that said it would go all the way down to 20 hours a week, allowing people to focus on the things that are most important in life. However, I feel that for many of us, technology has moved from the realm of blessing into the realm of curse as, as our technology sometimes tends to control us. Instant access anywhere on earth. People can call you, text you, email you at any moment of your life. The more we do, the more time we commit, the more chaos our lives become. Ensue, or more chaotic our lives become, and I wonder, do you ever feel burned out? Do you ever light the candle at both ends, and like the cat in the hat, try to place one more thing on top of the pile, and find yourself trying to balance it all, but fearful that it might all come crashing down? Can you keep it all in balance? I wonder if this is a shared experience. And so I actually, I really do wonder if this is a shared experience. So we're going to do something here this morning. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to take your cell phone out, if you have one. Take it out right now, everybody. I'm going to put my cell phone number up on the screen right here. That is my legit cell phone number. I want you to type that in. And what I want to do is I want to ask you a few questions this morning. And I want you to text me your answers. This will be completely anonymous. I don't know all of your numbers. Um, I won't share your name or your number or any information about you. I just want to see some of your answers. So go ahead and type in my cell phone number into your phone, and I want to ask you a question. First question is simple. How many hours a week do you work? How many hours a week? Don't call me, text me. Um, how many hours a week? Um, I'm sorry, I'm not going to answer. How many hours a week do you work? I mean, like your commute time, all of that together. Um, how many hours a week 
do you work? Go ahead and send me your answers. I got 50, 55, 60, 55, 65, 10 hours. Not bad. 40-ish, 45, 200. Probably a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> I'm, that's not a joke. Stay-at-home moms, amazing people. You work more than everyone else. 35 and a half, retired exclamation point. 50, 55, high school, 65, 32, a lot of 60s, 60, 60. Second question. How many hours a week do you spend dedicated to your family and friends, the people that you love, building a relationship with them, playing a board game with your kids, you know, not the commute to school, but intentional time with family or friends, the people who are important to you? How many hours do you spend? Too few. All the time. Three hours. Not enough. Not nearly enough. Ten hours. Five hours. I like this one. Every second I get. Never enough. Too few. Five. Next question. This one's a word, not a number. Um, What prevents you from resting in life? What is the obstacle that prevents you from finding rest in your life? School. Money. Stress. I can't read that one in church. (laughs) School demands. When you use your husband's name, I know who you are. (laughs) Activities, expectations, homework, priorities, time, the unknown. Time, future. Last question, and this is the hard one, or maybe it's easy. If you could define or sum up your life right now, today, and how you feel in one word, what is the one word you use to describe your life today? Awesome, explanation point. Blessed, busy, tired, hectic, exhausted, short, purposeful, exhaustive, overwhelming, wonderful, topsy-turvy, Smiley face emoji. Chaotic. Tired all the time. Drained. Ongoing. Busy. There's a tension I feel that many of us have, and most of us seem to a desire to resolve, and, and it seems... Like me, many of you, many of you struggle to find balance and find rest in the chaos that ensnares our lives. How do we find rest in a world of chaos? How, in, a, in a life of chaos? How is it possible even to find rest and renewal in a life of overcommitment and long work weeks and chaotic schedules? How, how, how do we find rest? We are fortunate because this is not a new issue. This is not a new thing. People have struggled with this concept of finding rest for a long time. In fact, God talks about rest in the very first pages of our Bible, in the creation story. In the creation story, we find 
this concept of rest, and it all begins with the creation of everything that is or has ever existed. Genesis chapter 1 paints a beautiful picture, this poetic picture of God's creation of the heavens and earth, the stars, the moon, the sky, the water, the land, the animals, all of the parts of the creative work of God. To the farthest extent of the universe, galaxy upon galaxy, it is all a part of the creative work of God. So picking up at the end of the sixth day of creation, we find these words in Genesis chapter 1. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good, and evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. God rested. God rested. At the beginning of all creation, God rests. This is the starting point of building and understanding a biblical rest and Sabbath. Sabbath being that day of of religious rest. So to begin to understand our calling to rest and how we live out our calling in our lives, we must first understand rest as it relates to God. So there's a word I want to share with you this morning. It's a big word. It's anthropomorphism. It's a, it's a theological term. Anthropomorphism means ascribing human character traits to God. Ascribing human character traits to God. Now, we know that God is not human, right? Everyone says, yes, God is not human. But often, it's, it's, to better understand God, we use language that we attribute to humankind in defining God. This is an anthropomorphism. And I want you to think about it for a moment, about God resting on the seventh day. Why did God rest? Was God tired? The answer is no, because God was not tired, because God is not human, and being tired has to do with exhaustion and being physically depleted. And is that a human thing or a God thing? It's a human thing, anthropomorphism. So why did God rest? Why did God rest? If God cannot tire, Why did he need to rest? And the answer is simple. God chose to rest. God chose to rest. In the midst of creating the universe and everything in it, God, there came a point where God decided it was time to push pause and to rest. And there's a lesson to be learned in God's actions in this creation story. God was completely capable of continuing to work. God could have moved on to the next task. Creation, done. What's next on the checklist? But God didn't. Instead, God intentionally stopped and rested after completing the work of creation. Not only did God stop to rest, even though he was not tired, he also declared the day of rest holy. So the purpose of this day of rest, Sabbath, was, was not merely a day of being lazy. Instead, it was intentional and there was purpose in it. And the choice to rest is a hard choice to make. And it's increasingly hard to choose to rest when the world tells us that resting means we're being lazy and lazy is unproductive. And lack of production it means, means in our culture a lack of value because work equals money and money equals success. And choosing to rest is not easy to do because choosing to rest means not being productive. But think for a moment, would you? Is rest really unproductive? Is there any value in resting? 
Think big picture, physical value, emotional value, spiritual value. How long can you survive without rest? It wasn't easy for the early followers of God to choose to rest either. Um, the, the, the first instructions about Sabbath and rest came to a culture that had never heard of a five-day work week. Some of you have never heard of a five-day work week. That's not a joke, but it is funny. Recall the story of Exodus for a moment. After a great famine, the Israelite people are enslaved in Egypt. The Egyptians even called the Israelites lazy because they wanted a day off every week to worship, to honor the Sabbath. But freedom came when Moses led them out of Egypt. They wandered through the desert for a while and then happened upon Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments from God. God's instructions to the Hebrew people to follow some basic laws. So, everybody ready? Pop quiz time. We're going we're gonna to interact here. Are you ready? Everybody awake? Ten commandments. Let's see how many you can get. Let's shout them out real quick. What's a commandment? Honor your father and mother. The record is eight held by the 930 service. So let's see if you can do better. What's another one? No other gods? Don't steal? Don't kill? Covet? God's name in vain? Mother and father? No adultery. Sabbath. Yeah, extra points. It's eight. One more, you get the prize. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor is kind of different, but let's say, we already said covet though, didn't we? False witness. There you go. Here's your prize. Let's throw them up on screen real quick. No other gods but me, no idols. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not falsely testify. And you must not covet your neighbor's property, your wife, and all of that. Whew, God gave 10 commandments to Moses. Moses took those commandments and gave them to the Hebrew people. And let's look at number four a little closer. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. Click. For this, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and earth the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Six days to do your work, one day to rest. God instru God's instructions are pretty clear. Do your job. Work your heart out at your job, but give yourself a time of rest. Rest not because you're forced to because of sickness or burnout, but because you choose to rest. God didn't rest because he had to. God rested because he decided to. Then he blessed it and gave it to humankind as a gift. Do you realize that God gave humankind the Sabbath as a gift? Rest is not laziness. Rest is a part of the top 10 rules that God gave his chosen people. What is more interesting to me is the language that's used. Now, I know many people struggle with the, with the um, legalism found in the commandments in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, that do this, don't do that. But the words are important. Look really quickly with me. 
They say things like, you must not have any other gods but me. You must not make yourself an idol. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Honor your father and mother. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. Each of these nine commandments is definitive. You must not. Or directive, honor. But look at the fourth one again. It's different. Instead of a cut and dry, do or do not, this one is different. When it comes to Sabbath and rest, God takes a different approach. Instead of saying, you must not or you must, God says, remember. Remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. You have six days a week to do your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Why remember? What is it that God is trying to say to the people who have marched out of Egypt, slave to their labor drivers? Why remember to observe the Sabbath day? Why not make it an order? All the rest of them are. Just like the Egyptians, and just like the Hebrews, we often become consumed with doing in life. We equate success with activity. We focus so intently on doing things and keeping our schedules booked that we forget that we are called to be at rest. Let me ask you, do you ever feel like a slave to your committed life, to your overcommitted life? If you do, God's instructions to remember are for you. Remember the Sabbath. Remember a time of intentional rest because what happens if you don't? You burn out. If you burn out at work, your career suffers. If you burn out at home, your family life goes down the drain. If you burn out physically, you get sick and you're forced to stop everything until you're in your life until you recover. Or you start popping pills or taking the day quill to get through just one more day. For the Jewish culture, Sabbath was on the seventh day and usually was celebrated on, it was celebrated on Saturday. But for Christians, we celebrate Sabbath on the first day of the week. We celebrate on Sunday, historically, because it was Sunday that Jesus rose from the dead. Easter is a day of new life and resurrection, and our Sabbath is found in the new life that is found in Jesus Christ. Part of the Christian Sabbath involves celebrating Easter, celebrating new life, each and every week, and I would argue each and every day. God said to remember the Sabbath, remember to rest, understand that rest, rest is equally as important as your productivity. Without rest, without taking Sabbath time, without your quality of life diminishes and your spiritual life wanes. And soon, like the early, early Israelites, we forget the gift that God gave us. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days to work, but the seventh is dedicated to rest and dedicated to the Lord. But it's not about saying no. One of the fears that I get when I, when I entertain this idea of saying yes to rest, saying yes to Sabbath time, is that I must say no to something else that I've already committed to. And I want you to understand that remembering and honoring the Sabbath does not mean you have to say no to everything. 
What I desire is for you to say yes to the right things. Next week, we're going to talk about three specific ways that we live out a Sabbath lifestyle. We're going to focus on what Sabbath time can look like in our lives, in our current culture today. But today, what I want you to hear me say is that it is okay to rest. How long can you survive, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually survive without it? Our nature is to do more and more in our lives, add one more thing to the balancing act, but God's word tells us that there is something that we must not forget. And that is when chaos, when the chaos of the world surrounds us and we feel like slaves to our jobs, slaves to our families, slaves to our friends, slaves to our commitments, slaves to our lives, whatever way you feel enslaved and bonded, one of the first things that we forget, one of the first things that we let slip is our Sabbath time. And Sabbath is not about being lazy. It's not about being unproductive. In fact, you will find that in honoring the Sabbath in your life and taking time of intentional rest and renewal, you will actually become more productive in your life. There's a reason why God said in the Ten Commandments to the people who were slaves but needed a new way of life, up against murder, (laughs) up against stealing, up against adultery, Remember to observe the Sabbath. The more chaotic your life, the more you need to remember the Sabbath, honor it and keep it. I say, say yes to rest. Say yes to rest. Say yes to rest. I know this is corny, but I want you to say yes to rest with me. Everybody ready? Say yes to rest. Yes, it was corny. That's okay. (laughs) Say yes to rest. God rested, not because God had to rest, God rested because he chose to rest. Rest, the Sabbath, was a gift to humankind. Rest renews and restores us. So the the question that I'm sure you're asking is, so tell us, Tim, how do you do it? How do you find rest in a life filled with chaos? And the, the answer is simple, as most answers are. Like God, we must choose to rest. We must choose to rest. So what I want you to do is I want you to take out your cell phone again. And I want you to open your calendar. If you don't use a digital calendar and you have a paper one, they they either open up like this or like this. I want you to pull out your calendar. Whatever you do to schedule your time, the thing that controls you, it's usually in your purse or it's in your pocket. We don't let it drift very far from us. But I want you to take it out and I want you to pull out your calendar for this next week. And I want you to find one hour One hour between now and next Sunday. And I want you to schedule one hour of rest. I want you to do it first. I know your schedule is probably full for the week already. But find one hour. You can find one hour. And what I want you to do is schedule a time. And during that hour, I want you to rest. And this week, I don't care how you rest specifically. Next week, we're going to talk about the specifics, the nuts and bolts of of Sabbath time in our culture today. But this week, I want you to physically rest, spiritually rest, emotionally rest, or rest in relationships. So do things like, if you need to take a nap, take a nap. That's fine. You have my permission. Play a board game with your kids, not a video game. There's a difference. I like both. I enjoy playing both with my kids. But it's different relationally playing a board game or a card game with kids than it is playing a video game. 
Read a book that brings you joy. Call someone that you haven't talked to that you want to talk to. Find something that enlivens your life, that gives you spiritual rest, physical rest, emotional rest, or mental rest for one hour this week. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to come back next week. Because next week we're going to talk about these three main pillars of how we can live Sabbath time in our daily lives throughout the week. And I just don't have time to go into them this week, but next week we will. And I want you to be able to have that. So please try to commit to be here next week to hear those principles. Because they'll allow you to move from just taking a nap to living a Sabbath lifestyle throughout your life. And living into God's calling to remember the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath in your life of chaotic times. How would this week look different? How would it look different this week if you were both physically and spiritually rested? Would you be stressed out at work with your kids, your spouse, your significant other, your family? Would your life still feel upside down as though you were the cat in the hat, bouncing on the ball, juggling a dozen things at once? What if instead you remembered and honored Sabbath time in your life and took time to renew yourself, not only physically, but spiritually and mentally and emotionally? Could could one day of rest change your week? Could one hour change your week? Let's pray together, shall we? Holy God, we sometimes struggle to push pause on our life. The weight of productivity and progress force us to do more and more each day. Help us us to remember your day of rest. Let us, like you, choose, choose to rest amidst the chaos of our lives. Fill our hearts and restore our souls as we strive. Lord, we strive for progress, not perfection. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and everyone said, amen. Amen.